Salute British ingenuity. Behold the ubiquitous mobile home, a two-wheel tribute to the British spirit of adaptability and to the great and growing pastime of messing about in caravans. It may seem difficult to swallow at first, but believe it or not, this substantial 25-foot-long lorry is in fact a motor caravan. Or if you want that in American, which is after all where it comes from, a motor home. Now is Tony Wilson of Europe's biggest motor caravan dealers. What would you say to the chap who said, whatever used to me is a motor caravan for the other 49 weeks of the year when I'm not on holiday? Well, a lot of people use motor caravans for business use, use them for weekends, visiting relatives, going to sporting events. So they really are quite useful. Oh, they're very useful. Hi, and welcome to Dwelling. My name is Marnie, and this episode, we're kicking up a gear, heading to the open road and speaking to vehicle dwellers. When you think of home, what do you think of? Where you live isn't just the specific place in which you live, it is your walk to work and your walk home from work. It's all shaped by where you're positioned. It's this walk, you cross the road and then you go in this little inlet in the trees, which is just like the entrance into the heath. And it really just feels like a tunnel, like you're kind of transitioning from one space to another. It really has that feeling to it. And if it's autumn, like, you hear the leaves under your feet, or this morning it was the frost, and you go down this little path and you're in a place called the Vale of Hell. It's this very, like, romantic little space. So you go past all the, like, cottagey houses and then down right to the end, and that's where we are. And it's just... It just feels so nice walking on there and, like, seeing everyone's lights on in their caravans and knowing they're all, like, cooking the tea or getting ready for bed or whatever back of the caravans and it's actually incredible how much a difference even something as relatively small as the heath makes to the night sky like you can see so much in comparison to just being like you know 20 minute walk down the road in the actual city this is adam uh, i'm adam yeah from manchester work here at the roundhouse as a bartender and been living in a van for around two and a half years like during lockdown I was just kind of feeling very restricted like I'd just been going I'd just been traveling and I just got home and kind of fall straight into lockdown I tried to move to London but that didn't work so I lost my job because of Covid and just had an idea one morning that once the restrictions were starting to ease I just wanted to move up to the Lake District and was trying to think of different ways of doing that and yeah landed on a van as like the cheapest easiest way. Living in a van has become an increasingly popular alternative to renting. It's difficult to find data on how many people are currently living in their vehicles but anecdotally Adam's story is a familiar one. Too much rent, wanting to live independently, wanting to be outside and close to nature. The motivations for living in a van can vary enormously, from decluttering to financial to a greater sense of freedom and agency. Similar to boating, there has also been a tight-knit community that has built up around vehicle dwelling. Busy in animated Facebook groups, meetups, or, if you're one of the lucky ones, a site where a group of trailers and vehicles can stay. It's, uh, it's so nice to be able to go home and, yeah, know everyone by name 
and know them personality wise we've got like a communal space with a fire where we go in some nights you know we all cook for each other that kind of thing it definitely feels a bit like a ideal little sanctuary away from the city which i guess is kind of what drove me into a van in the first place i've always had this i think in a desire to try and escape or like push away from civilization or you know modern living and the van definitely like provided a means for doing that although it is definitely idealized than the reality i think when you think of a person living in a van for most people one of two images pops to mind the first is a glossy beach blonde person with hair waving from salt and the fresh air of being outside stood in front of an immaculately done up van with a cooker, nifty design tricks to store their surfboards. The van lifer. The other thing you may think of is different, quieter, less Instagram focused. The vehicle dweller, someone living long term in a van, often in similar spots, traveling around a small area. Both of these can be driven by financial motives, but the startup cost of one is significantly more expensive. Both can be driven by wanting to be free from a crippling housing system, but only one results in thousands of TikTok followers. This episode, I want to look at the spectrum of people living in vans and the different communities they create. I reached out to a whole host of Instagram van lifers, trawled through TikTok and found Shannon Lawford. Here's a realistic day in the life of living in a micro camper when I'm not out traveling and just doing random things. So <laughs> I started the day, packed the bed away, got dressed, and then had a look at the view. Today the view was Stonehenge. What a nice view. Anyway, then I had to put some dry shampoo in my hair because there was no shower at Stonehenge. <laughs> Shannon stood out to me because although there was still stunning scenery, her videos were honest about money and time spent. To be clear, there's no hate to people who spend loads on their vans and curate each post to make it look like an idol, but I wanted to speak to someone who wouldn't sugarcoat their experience. Okay, it's going, so... Shannon is easy to speak to. Her short blonde hair swept across her forehead and she laughs often. As I sat down to speak to Shannon, me in the studio and her in the front seat of her tiny van, as rain pelted down outside. <laughs> I, I honestly don't know how I even started with the TikTok and how it's actually grown an audience. Um, like I just started posting videos of actually building the van and then people were enjoying it so much so I was like I may as well continue continue it. Last year when I first originally like built it I was using it for like weekend trips and I was using it a lot for work because working as a wedding photographer I was like going to like here there and everywhere so it was handy to have somewhere to just camp out as soon as you finish working and then it kind of got to summer this year and I saw a few other people living in smaller vans and I was like actually maybe I could just give it a go and see what happens <laughs> so I just started posting videos of building it like I had no experience building it and I just wanted to see I was kind of filming it to see if I actually was able to do what I was thinking of and I was just making these little videos and a lot of people comment and like they're interested if they're also building a van. People want to see what everyone else is doing and how they do it. And then once I built the van I just kind of started making little like travel videos or just random like thoughts and things that happen. Um, and I guess because I am quite creative and that's probably 
why I enjoy it so much. Like, I actually went to university and studied film, so I guess that's kind of my background of making films and making these little like travel videos. But yeah, in terms of actually growing the following, it it was kind of surprising that, and I still like wonder now what why people enjoy it and what I do and things like that. But I think it's just because I kind of just post random things and like it's just normal stuff that people would do. So people enjoy watching that kind of stuff but yeah it has it has been nice to kind of grow a little following in the community and I always like recognize the same people who are commenting and things like that so um, yeah it feels really nice. The van life community is growing there's been over five million hashtag van life posts on Instagram just since the trend started in 2015 but there are other groups utilizing vehicle dwelling people who have lived in vehicles their whole lives they are often harder to reach their visibility is tiny in comparison to their van life counterparts. And these communities are under threat. With the introduction of the police and crime bill, vehicles seen as trespassing can be seized and people's homes, all of their possessions, can be taken away. The media attention on the impact this has on vehicle dwellers was small, but the impacts could be devastating. Not long after the police and crime bill was passed, on a sunny day in May 2022, I went on a mass trespass near Totnes in Devon. We walked along a dusty and rugged track that was surrounded by quintessential British countryside, hedgerows and fields through woods and glades. As we reached the top of one of the hills, I noticed a small collection of trailers nestled in the grassy knell at the side of the road. As our group rambled past, I spotted a couple sitting in the grass outside their caravan. They were young, clearly in love, and had an air of confidence that showed they were at home. They looked on at our group in bemusement, so I went over and introduced myself. Uh, my name's Finn. I'm Robin. I've lived in a caravan probably for about 12 years now. Mm. Um, yeah, since I was 11 years old, 22 now. Yeah, I love it. Wouldn't move into a house or anything at all. <laughs> I actually adore living in a caravan. It's more, feel more connected to the outside and everything. Yeah. Yeah, I really love it. Well, my mum used to live in a caravan for years, so we moved into a house when she got pregnant with us. And then it got too much rent to pay, uh, a bit too poor, and I think. Mm. And she wanted to move somewhere back out into a caravan. We moved up to site and started living back in caravans. And it was, yeah, so much nicer, you know, a lot more affordable and just, it just felt right. Yeah, the community's lush. It's really lovely. Every summer we was like all meet up and make food and sit outside and eat it together. Always have fires. It's really lush. Yeah, it's really friendly. Everyone up there is really nice. It works, I guess, because we're all, even though we are all from such different backgrounds, I guess we all have this shared sense of doing something a bit different. And it shapes so much of the way that you have to live that there's always kind of something to talk about. If it's practical things or if it's just fun things, as always, there's definitely just like some common passion there. Do you feel like there's any, like, what's your best van story? Like, living in a van, what's the most fun thing that's happened? Oh, I don't know, <laughs> best van story. <laughs> um, I don't know, that's a hard one. I, don't, I always love, obviously, depends on time of year, mm. but some of the best feelings you get in a van, like living in a caravan, is when it's freezing cold out of winter and you put your burner on and you get that first 
hit a fire and you start warming oh, up and it gets rain. nice and boiling. Yeah, and then the rain, rain. starts and you, you feel cosy nice and warm. So, yeah, and you know what's going on, you know. You know if it's raining, you know if it's windy, you know, because you, you're around it. You you know, you, you're really, like, actually involved in the nature. Like, mm. if you're in a house, you don't... You don't even know what's going on outside. Mm. You hear every sound. You know what it is. You know. You know the uh, the tree moving on top. You know people walking past. You hear something what doesn't Birds. sound right, and you instantly know. You know. You feel so much more in touch with it all. Mm. Uh, it's, it's lush, man. It really is. Yeah, it can. It can kind of get annoying. Like, I think the stress of finding somewhere to stay. If you're choosing to go down the route of wild camping and not going in campsites, sometimes that is really stressful usually when you leave it to the end of the day and you're like it's getting dark and you can't find anywhere and you pull up to like a dodgy spot and you've got to go somewhere else and that when you have days like that you're like oh this is like this is actually quite hard but I think then the next day you kind of you get past it really quickly and you see the the benefits of it so much more than those odd stressful days like even in a house you would probably have those days where I don't know something would break down and you'd have like a really stressful day in your house so I think any side of life is going to have those days so yeah to me the the good definitely outweighs the bad um, but yeah also in in the good side of things being able to go wherever you want and do what you want is actually quite freeing and like very I found this summer has been like mentally probably one of the best summers that I've had. I mean, do you feel the impact of being a bit closer to nature and green space? Definitely, yeah. I mean, the um, the contradiction of London versus living in an actual like it is actually just a wild forest. The heath, it's just preserved forest, which is amazing. You definitely feel it. I used to live in Shepherd's Bush when I first lived in London. Absolutely hated it. Could not manage. You know, I'm from a small town. Never really been to London before. Didn't really have much experience of a city. And dropping me into Shepherd's Bush, it was definitely like a lot to come to grips with. And I'd kind of written off London after that still have a lot of friends here, still, like, feel drawn to the excitement of the city, but I just couldn't... I just thought I couldn't face living in it again. But finding this, it just kind of is definitely that perfect balance. You go back and you can't even really hear the city in the spring and summer. You can, like, hear birds and you can always go on a walk through the trees and, you know, pretend that you live in a nice... <laughs> Whoa. When I was living over winter, I was paying like £600 a month, I think, for rent, which might not be as much as some people, but that was quite a lot. And a lot of the time I was like travelling or going, I wasn't even in the flat, so I was like, I'm spending all of this money for a flat that I'm only in like once every, like in a blue moon or something. And I didn't want that to happen over summer. So that there's no point paying for a flat if I'm not going to be there. So I may as well save the rent money and put the rent money towards doing more fun things than sitting in a house. Shannon isn't alone in this, and many people on lower incomes or with less regular work are not choosing to live in vans, but feel it is their only option. Bristol has become a hub for vehicle dwellers, and tensions between van dwellers and the council has come to a boiling point. 
On a dead-end road near a grassy cemetery, a group has put down roots. But now they face eviction, fines, and potentially having their homes taken away. They put out a statement after the eviction notice. We don't believe what we're doing is a crime. We are just trying to exist. The majority of us at Greenbank View are young people, unable to afford to live in the city despite working as hard as we do. Young people are struggling to afford stable housing. The average rent in Bristol being over £600 per month, yet wages have stayed the same. Vehicle dwelling is our solution to the housing crisis. We also find this way of life means we have more time for volunteering, community projects and our own pursuits. We want to challenge the assumption that people who live in vehicles are antisocial, jobless or a threat. When in fact we are engaged in activism, art, law and youth work. We are tidy, respectful people and regularly clean up the street and park together. We are now at risk of fines, a trial and an eviction. We ask for your compassion and understanding. Whether or not you agree with the van lifestyle, we hope you now understand our situation. Right now, I could not afford to be in London at all, even in the like shoddy accommodation that I was in without living in a van. There's just no way I could sustain myself. This is Adam again. The place I was living in in Shepherd's Bush was just... It was like a attic room in a house that had been converted into three different flats. So altogether in this building that used to be a house, there was 12 people living in there, five people in my flat, all sharing this tiny kitchen, no sitting space, you know. The window looked out onto Westfield Mall and the overground. It was such a horrible place. And I was paying, yeah, an insane amount of money. It just kind of keeps you trapped in that cycle where you kind of not really enjoying your job, but your job is only sustaining your lifestyle, which you're not even really enjoying anymore because the house isn't that good and you you can't afford to do anything but pay your rent. So a van definitely liberates you from a lot of that and means I can work less hours in a more casual kind of job, be less like career driven and focus more on, yeah, like enjoying my time, working on my own like personal projects and yeah, I guess just actually kind of, it's just rebalances things, I guess. Like, I mean, today for instance, all my pipes are frozen. Everyone's pipes on the site are frozen. Even our main water pipes that we all get our water from for our vans are frozen. Like it's in no way ideal. Um, it's, fun, it's definitely fun at times. I think a lot of that kind of culture, the van life, Instagram culture as well, is really strange when you like contradict it or counterpose it against people who are like doing it out of pure necessity. There's a lot of people or like a few people on my site who've been living in vans for like 15, 18 years. They're like fairground workers and members of the travellers community and for them it's like in no way like a fun jaunt or adventure or anything Mm. it's just like a day-to-day reality how is the response to to you guys living in caravans and vans around here uh you get a very mixed one um a lot of people talk to me and they're like that's amazing it's really interesting like 
Uh, a lot of people don't get it. Uh, a lot of people get very confused. I've seen a lot of people think you're really dirty. Very if you dirty, live in a and it's like no, it's like <laughs> you know, there's we we do shower, we do clean, we do keep our hygiene up. It's mm. not like we're disgusting, muddy, grubby people. Uh, a lot of people get confused with stuff like that. I've had different reactions. I've had one, some people drive onto where we are and freak out straight away and reverse yeah, as fast like as they can. Yeah, um, like, oh. Where are we? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> really freak out. And then you've had people who find it fascinating and mm. amazing. Um, it just depends on the people and where they're from, I believe, and how they've grown up, obviously. And what they hear, I think that's a massive yeah, thing. Yeah, there's a lot of discrimination and there's a lot of opinions, um, but that's all there really is. There's not much like history that people know. It's not... I just feel like nothing's like known enough. And... Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like people who live in houses and stuff can be a lot worse. Like people think if you live like this, you're a criminal and that you automatically like do bad things, but that's just not true. Like, I don't know. Mm, yeah, it's an interesting one. It is definitely. I just feel like as well with this new, um, the past dressing and the bringing through. I feel like it's a way. Uh, I hope it's not, but I feel like it's a way to control people a lot more, keep them in these boxes that Definitely. they have to. And it's also like, they don't want power. people to live like this because you're not paying, you're not paying rent, you're not paying for water, you're not paying for Electricity energy. You know, stuff, so yeah. that it's all about money, really. It all goes down to money. Yeah. And if you're not paying the system, then they don't like you. Yeah, hundred percent. I don't know. It's scary because I mean, the amount that they could take your home from you yeah, you know well, it's past straight that away they can see it's a vehicle and that's your and this everything is a, this you is know? As a vehicle. that is that's where we live it's not like we're renting it out or it's not like we're just there for a little bit this is our home mm. you know we but if we buy a new caravan or a van it's like everything all our stuff's in there and the fear that they could just take that from us and get it like i think there's just, i horrible. think you just shouldn't judge i think don't just don't judge people for the way they live life because it's also like a, it's a way of life you know it's like i want to be super clear that when i say this next bit i'm not hating on van lifers saving money on rent and going out and exploring the world are wonderful meaningful goals but the way that van lifers are treated is worlds apart from vehicle dwellers one is celebrated rewarded with social kudos and sometimes financially the other often face eviction or are harassed by authorities and residents and it's hard not to notice that van lifers are so often white and middle class. Again, my beef isn't with van lifers, but rather with the distinction in the way that these two groups are treated. I, mean, I think it's just a Tory government and like they are always trying to find laws to like go against people who live this way. And I don't know, I just think it's not surprising. I don't think it's anything new what they're doing. It's just like another bill they're passing and it's I think more people need to be aware that's what I think needs to change mm. I think more people need to actually understand because there was a lot of protesting about the bill because it was also against protesting but I feel like no one really knew that it was also about the anti-trespass and stuff and all that and about people who live this way mm. I just think not many people know about it and not many people know to stand up and talk about it because there's no there's no one talking about it really. Mm. 
it's so tricky to feel like you can like grow as a person or even like have any sense of security in your future mm. when you're living from one paycheck to another but actually in mm -hmm. london if you're earning 30 grand a year which is a very respectable and reasonable salary that's yeah. not it's not enough yeah, for you to do anything to... except pay rent and food and bills mm -hmm. and that's that's really tricky when you're looking at, at like the whole rest of your life yeah has it had any sort of impacts on your sort of like sense of well-being having being able to like look forward a bit further yeah i i guess it has i definitely felt that what you're saying the the futurelessness I guess our, our generation feels it is just kind of such an overbearing weight in our lives, even before the cost of living crisis and everything that's happening right now is just such a, there's such an existential weight to growing up today. And I definitely feel like, I don't know, I've got more time, so I'm able to like, I guess, put myself into projects that I value and so lose some of that weight. And I definitely feel like it's freed me up. I don't know, it's hard. I guess if I was doing the same work as I was doing when I was renting a flat, I'd have like way more surplus income and I'd have way more of a financial foundation. And yeah, I'd feel like I've got more of a stable future ahead of me. But because I guess my move into a van was also accompanied by like a, I guess like a dropping out of a traditional career and just now doing bar work. I don't think I have that strong financial foundation to like, you know, project into the future and have this stable future ahead of me. I th So I think... Time-wise, yes, definitely, like, helps me deal with the mental burden, but I think as a, as a complete lifestyle shift, it's still just fraught with, like, uncertainty. And, I mean, even, like, we were just talking about the fact that this site might not exist. And I think there's still definitely a lot of, like, uncertainty in the future. Well, yeah, I guess you mentioned the... The bill, which the specific name has gone from my mind. Oh, uh, police and crime. Yeah, 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 exactly. Things like that, and just the growing crackdown on any kind of alternative way of living. Definitely, yeah. I think fill the future of this kind of life with uncertainty. There's a tightening on like how people can live mm -hmm. and like I don't think there's anything wrong with living like having a nine-to-five and renting mm. it's just that like why does that have to be the only option yeah and the idea of that being taken away for me is really scary yeah exactly and I guess like cost of living inflation rising it's becoming less and less like even if you do live in a van or a boat if you've managed to find this alternative means of living it's becoming even less and less viable financially to do that without subscribing yourself to a full-time job so I think the full like 
offering, the full alternative offering is just kind of, as prices rise, yeah, it just becomes less and less viable, definitely. It can feel pretty gloomy when you think about the future of home. It can feel shaky, like the ground underneath you might give way at any minute. Or maybe more accurately, that the roof over your head might vanish. But as we were wrapping up our interview, I asked Shannon when her tiny camper started to feel like home. And her answer reminded me that alternative ways of living aren't just about your physical space, but your access to the whole world. I did, I think the first trip I did um, last summer, I went to um, the Brecon Beacons for a few days. Because before that, I'd mostly been in towns where I was just travelling for work. Um, so I went to the Brecon Beacons, and that was like a real first trip where I was like, yeah, like, like this feels good and like, I feel at home wherever I go. Um, and yeah, now every day I'm just like, oh, I'm living in this tiny little space and I feel like the best that I've ever felt. And yeah. And do you think you feel a sense of freedom or independence that you don't necessarily get in a house? Oh, yeah, 100%. Definitely. 100%. You walk straight out and you're outside in this beautiful world. Like, yeah. Well, you're on wheels. Mm, That's yeah. the thing. Like, you can, can just you go. want to move, you can. If you're in a house, you're, you can't. You're stuck there mm. unless you go to a different house. Yeah. So yeah. definitely there's more freedom. But then that's at a cost, isn't it? That's the thing. There's a group of people, a community, who've been missing from this episode. People whose relationship with the nomadic and moving home is part of their history. A group whose nomadism is a source of stigma and discrimination from our legislation. People who have borne the brunt of racism and hypocrisy in the media when talking about their homes and ability to live on the road. A group of people who, anywhere between 40 and 80%, were forcibly settled, so have found home and community in other ways. Travellers. That's next time on Dwelling. Find us on your favourite streaming platforms, released weekly on Mondays. Follow us on social media at dwelling underscore pod, powered by Transmission Roundhouse.